You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to another edition of Seahawks Insider Podcast, your preview for week 12. Jackie Montgomery here with Jen Mueller as John Boyle is still on paternity leave. And Jen, I can't believe we're in week 12. It's, it's all kind of a blur at this point right now. It is. And for as fast <laughs> and as slow as 2020 has gone, I, I don't know where the time has gone in the NFL schedule. It is amazing to me that we have made it this far. And it gets harder and harder to jog my memory about what happened from week to week. Like everything, you're right, it just gets all jumbled up. I'm like, I I don't know. What, what was I wearing that day? Like, is there anything that stands out so that I can remember what we were talking about? Going into the season with COVID and everything, would you have, uh, if you had been asked, do you think we will make it to week 12 of the NFL season, giving what is going on in the world? Do you think we would have made it this far? No. Back in August? I mean, no. no. And I thought the Seahawks had really good protocols in place and we've seen that they do. And Pete Carroll was talking about them again this week with Thanksgiving and, and was embracing the NFL, tightening up their policies across the league. But I would have said, it would be nearly impossible given the fact that they didn't have an actual bubble. And yet, while there have been games that have been postponed and moved around and there have been players across the league that have landed on the COVID list, I am really surprised and very impressed that we've gotten to this point. Yeah, same. Yeah, when you're watching like ESPN or whatever your, you know, your sports fix of choice is and you look at the ticker at the bottom, it's like, COVID problems here, COVID problems here. This game is canceled. This game is canceled. You know, when you're looking at college football and I'm just like, wow, it is, it is, it's a beautiful thing that I believe I heard that the Seahawks are the last team or the only team in the NFL to not have a single player test positive. And that really speaks to what Pete Carroll and his team um, is doing to ensure everyone's safety and following the guidelines. It totally does. And I do think that this is going to open up a conversation as we get even further into the season and probably around the playoff time. I think the Seahawks are going to have to win a playoff game before we can truly have this conversation. But will this be the best coaching job that Pete Carroll has had to do during the course of his career? Or you could phrase it as, is this the hardest coaching job that he's had? Because there's so many different distractions. And look, everybody gets fatigued dealing with protocols and restrictions. And it's not just because of the NFL season. It's because of all of 2020. So to keep people on task and then focused on games and winning – I do think that there's a case to be made that um, depending on how this season ends for the Seahawks, certainly it could be one of the best in Pete Carroll's tenure, but I do think it should help him in the conversation for overall just coach of the year, which as we've talked about, he has missed out on that opportunity so many times. Sensitive subject. All right. Well, you said it's been, it feels like a whirlwind of a season. So let's get into our recap of last week, which feels like a decade ago because I had to look up stats and look up everything. And it was just, you know, we're uh, about 10 days ago now um, almost. But before we get into that, Cairo Radio and 710 ESPN Seattle is your home for the Seattle Seahawks. And don't miss the Pete Carroll show on 710 ESPN Seattle at 930 when he joins Danny and Paul Gallant and Michael Bumpus. 
the morning after every game. Wow, I really butchered that. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> well, looking at last week's game against the Cardinals, Thursday night football, and you know everyone was like curious after the Seahawks had played so poorly in two consecutive games, was it going to be the first time ever that Russell Wilson will lose three in a row? But no way. They bounced back in you know, phenomenal fashion. It was, you know, Pete Carroll said it was their most complete game of the season. And I mean, what were your takeaways from that game? What we saw the Seahawks being able to do. I have two big takeaways and the reason that it truly does feel like it was a long time ago. <laughs> two big takeaways. This was a very balanced offense. It is what we have been looking for, quite honestly, since week one. And number two, the defense was on the same page. Front to back, back to front, everybody was on the same page. I do think accountability was better. Now, there's a story as to why that was the case. But I think both of those things made it possible to kind of forget about Thursday's game. Because Jackie, can't you imagine what would have happened if that game had not have come out the way that it did, what we would have been talking about, how that would have felt oh. during the weekend, right? Everybody, there would have been such consternation and so many conversations. Instead, I think it was easier to just relax and go, okay, there is reason to believe the defense has turned the corner and this offense can function without always throwing the ball downfield to DK Metcalf, right? I, I think that there was a sense of calm that came with that win, so you didn't have to rehash all the little things. But balance, for sure, on offense. And yeah. defense, you know that meeting that they talked about that Ken Norton led? It sounds like it's such a simple thing. I think we can see how much impact, of a difference yeah. that made mm -hmm. on the field. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those listening, Ken Norton had an accountability meeting and he had all the players go around and say exactly what they are responsible on each play or in the base defense, I believe. Um, and it really, as you could see in their last performance, it seems like it really kind of resonated with everybody. Well, and I do think that it's like anybody else, right? If we're all working remotely, which we are, it's hard for me to remember how good you are at your job when I don't see you in the same way every single day, right? I don't think that this is unusual to the Seahawks. Yes, they're on the field together, but they spend far less time in the same space than they have in years past. When I'm hearing the story about that accountability meeting, I think it's a reminder that, look, we've been in our playbooks. We understand what our assignments are. This is what I'm telling you I can do and I am supposed to do. It's as much about I can verbalize my responsibilities as everybody else recognizing, that's right, you are a pro bowler. That's right. You have been doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then that translates to trust on the field. So I think that was huge overall. And I think when you turn that around and you've got the offense doing what they were doing, it allows the defense to play at an even higher level because the balance that we're talking about it was running the ball when they wanted to run the ball. And it was being able to take advantage of when the defense did give them shots downfield. And everybody looks at that game against Arizona and says, man, the Seahawks ran the ball 31 times. And that does seem like a lot. And it is a lot compared to what they had done in the weeks previous to that. And then you realize, and Michael Bumpus has made this point a number of times very well, Russ ran the ball 10 times. Yeah. Right. Like that. They were not designed runs for him. And so I just think to have him using his um, sense and feel for the game and skills, along with the designed runs, 
getting DK and Tyler involved, it just, man, that win just felt so good from so many different angles. No, you're so right. And with that run game, having Carlos Hyde back, you could clearly see a difference in this team's running style. I mean, Pete and Shadi, they've been talking about it all along that they bring a different energy, Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson. They bring such a different energy and a different running style to this rush attack. And you could clearly see it in that game. I mean, I mean, Carlos Hyde was just bulldozing people. And I mean, that tackle that he had on Pat Pete <laughs> on the goal line. I mean, it was impressive. You could definitely see how that uplifted the running game and the offense. Well, and I think decisiveness, right? Yeah. And that comes with not only their style of play, their energy, but the experience. I have no doubt that DJ Dallas is going to be an impact runner in the future, right? And it's not going to be the same type of style as Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde. But what we saw from him the couple of weeks prior was a little bit of indecision. And he would look and he'd kind of stutter step. And by the time he went to go, that hole had already closed, right? Yeah. When you get to the point where you can just take that one step and go, you just cut and go, it changes things. And when you go into the game and you decide to run the ball and you keep running the ball, and Ray Roberts has talked about this as, at length as well, the offensive line gets in a groove. And you yeah. start feeling that that whole scenario, right? You start to get more comfortable with that. You start to open holes differently. Um, so yeah, Carlos Hyde made a huge difference. So it was just the overall commitment to running the ball. And I think that that one's going to be a pretty big key this week too. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, the Seahawks getting that 28 to 20 win over the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football. Let's transition into this week. You know, we just talked about Carlos Hyde getting back and some other good signs with other players getting back. We should likely see Shaquille Griffin, Ethan Posick, and Chris Carson all coming back this week for Monday night football against the Eagles. Pete Carroll had this to say about, they have this like little mini bye week with the Thursday night football game coupled or right backed up against the Monday night football game. So they have some extra time to not only prepare, but get players back healthy. Pete had this to say. Well, we're, we're really, Jackie, we're trying to take advantage of every day that the guys get another another break to, to, to return. Everybody's banged up this time of year, so these days are really important, and, and uh, the guys will feel better. They, they, they really, they bounced around pretty good today. Um, we'll get another day off for Thanksgiving here, too, so we'll, uh, we'll, we should be in pretty good shape for this weekend. I mean, getting Chris Carson back, I mean, like I said, it was such a difference with Carlos Hyde in that running game to bring Chris Carson back to add to that. Like that's going to be really exciting. And plus when you look just getting, I mean, Damian Lewis did a great job. He did an admiral job rookies getting his first start at center at any level, I believe they said. And so, but to have Ethan Posick come back and help solidify that offensive line, that's going to be huge. And then also Shaquille Griffin on the back end for the defense. I mean, just getting those guys, what can they help just, this team build upon that last win against the Cardinals. Yeah. I think those two guys that you mentioned on the offensive line might be the biggest returns this week. And I know that it would be tempting to say that Chris Carson coming back, which is what we expect to see on Monday night is the most important addition. But if you take a look at the strength of the Eagles team and you recognize that Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox Ooh, are yeah. on the other mm -hmm. side of this, you really need to have Ethan Posick playing center and you need Damian Lewis to slide back out to his guard spot because you're probably going to be without Brandon Shell, who isn't just dealing with an ankle sprain. He's got a, a 
grade two, I think high ankle sprain. And look, there's a lot that's going on with this Eagles team. You don't have to worry about the secondary. There's been a ton of injuries in the Eagles secondary, even though their total defense is ranked 10th in the NFL. It is the strength that you have up front. Last year, when the Seahawks played Philadelphia in the playoff game, they would line up Fletcher Cox over Joey Hunt. Now, Joey Hunt, in the locker room, they would call him little Joey Hunt, right? He's undersized compared to the other guys on the offensive line. What you don't want is an undersized center in this game. You you don't want to put guys on an island because he will exploit that, and you can't get around both him and Brandon Graham. So you want to make sure that that offensive line is solidified. It could be the most that we see from Cedric Abwehi this week. He has been used as kind of that swing tackle guy. He's come in when Dwayne's had to miss a few snaps during the game. So I am curious to see what that matchup looks like. On the other side of things, when you talk about Shaq Griffin coming back, you know, I think the Seahawks secondary really tightened things up last week against Arizona. And the numbers show that. And I have no idea what to expect from Carson Wentz. None. I I can't. All of the articles say that they have started to simplify the offense. They don't want him to go through his progressions because he's having a hard time with that, which, look, I find hard to believe. You are an NFL quarterback. I think there's a confidence issue there with him. Certainly, he looks skittish, and he just doesn't have the same confidence. But this game could also just be about how much pressure can you bring up front. I don't know that Carson can get the ball down the field that many times. I I have no idea what to think. Well, let's jump into our key matchups here since we've already touched on it. Carson Wentz and the Seahawks defense, I mean, possibly getting Shaquille Griffin back. But, you know, you talk about Carson and, I mean, he has been sacked, I think, 40 times this year, which leads the NFL. And, I mean, but that being said, you know, he's had a very up and down season. And, in fact, Doug Peterson didn't people were asking was Carson going to even be the starter going into this game Doug Peterson has announced that he will be the starter he's not going with Jalen Hurts but it'll be interesting to see how this defense can attack Carson Pete Carroll had this to say on how he's what he's seen from Carson this season well as always he's tough he he makes you know big plays he's he's got the big throws or the big runs in him Um, they haven't you know they haven't had the success that they want to have but they're leading their division and and uh, they know they're battling for that, and, and he's their leader and he's their guy. So he's he's a big stud quarterback. It's hard to get on the ground. Uh, he's a lot like the guy from Buffalo, and uh, and he makes things happen. So he's tough to deal with. Can I just say that it is crazy to me that the Eagles lead the NFC East with a three six and one record. I mean, this yes. <laughs> I mean, I we'll we'll just leave it. Yes, at that. but that is just crazy to me. Um, but so Pete, you know, he touched on he um, Carson is similar to um, the Bills quarterback Josh Allen, and just his. I mean, he's not the most mobile quarterback. Obviously, we just saw Kyler Murray last week, but he has five t- rushing touchdowns on this team, which leads the team with the five rushing touchdowns. So he is able to make some runs and be mobile if he needs to. Yes, but that's kind of the only thing he's been able to do because he also leads the league with 14 touchdowns and 18 turnovers in general. So there's a lot of that, right? He's just kind of picking the thing that he (laughs) has. And look, I don't know that it's all Carson's fault. He is dealing with an offensive line that is banged up that had even more injuries last week. I don't know what the status is of Kelsey, their center, who was playing with a brace on his left arm for the second half of that game against Cleveland. What I do know is there are some trends emerging as to how 
Carson wants to distribute the ball. And early in the season, it was Travis Fulgham, who was the, like, I don't know, the, the new thing, right? The epiphany. But in the last couple of games, two catches, 12 yards, 16 yards. Meanwhile, if you are Dallas Goddard or Greg Ward or Richard Rogers, you are going to get all of the touches. So he is really going to his tight ends and the wide receiver that he trusts the most. So to me, when I would look at that, I would say if the Seahawks can take away those primary options, and I know this sounds oversimplified, but when the distribution starts looking like it is, it seems like it's easier to take away his options downfield force him to run and the Seahawks defense, I'll take my chances with them against the run. (laughs) Well, Jason Kelsey, they did say um, from my research that he is expected to make his hundredth hundredth straight start this week Um, that yeah, the elbow has not been a problem, Um, but going to switching now to, you know, the receiving core against the Seahawks defense with that whole tight end by committee. Zach Ertz is supposed to be back this week. He did practice. He he came off IR. He practiced last week. Didn't go. He stayed on IR against Cleveland, but he is supposed to be active activated for this week. So how, I mean, obviously, like you said, he is his favorite target. How do you see that playing a factor? I mean, do you think that he needs to kind of get back into a groove after being gone since mid-October? Or do you think that with the caliber of player Zach Ertz is, he can come in and make an immediate impact? You know, I think that where he's probably going to make the biggest impact could be in their running game. If Carson can't figure out where he feels comfortable throwing it, I mean, you're going to need him blocking. I have a hard time believing that he's going to come in and pick up where he left off. There tends to be some rust there. And Jamal Adams is healthy. And Jordan Brooks is healthy. And those are two guys that I would expect to see in the middle of the field that just like to blow plays up and that have the speed and the strength to deal with tight ends. I mean, that's why they're there. Um, So I could easily see that feeding the ball to Travis Kelsey sounds like a great idea. And um, I, I do think those guys would make it really difficult. Well, as you said, Travis Kelsey, or I mean, excuse me, um, Zach Ertz being more of Um, blocking tight end here in this game. Um, So with that run game, Miles Sanders, obviously him going up against the Seahawks front seven, the Seahawks have been so good stopping the run. They were able to hold uh, Kenyon Drake to basically nothing. Kyler Murray to basically nothing in the last game. Miles Sanders, how do you think he's going to match up against this team? I mean, he doesn't have the most yards per game, but he has the most yard. He's averaging the most yards per carry. I mean, he's averaging almost six yards a rush. So how do you think that he is going to match up against the Seahawks front? You know, it would not surprise me if he ends up being the offensive threat in this game. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks are content to let him do that. I don't think Seattle is going to let Wentz get the ball downfield. I think they would be content to just have Sanders pick up a few yards. But um, again, when he is your biggest rushing threat next to Wentz, I think they can scheme him up. And you pointed out, they've done such a good job with all of these runners this year. I'm not as worried about that. I don't think he's as shifty as some of those other runners. Doesn't mean that he's not hard to bring down, but um, I would not be surprised if you see him get some yards in an effort to keep this game really 
really short, right? You, yeah. you just don't want to see him picking up yards downfield when there's no reason to give Carson Wentz that opportunity. Well, Pete had this to say on Miles Sanders earlier this week. Yeah, very versatile, um, explosive. He's got a lot of long plays. Jeez, he had a 70-yarder and a 60-yarder. Um, they have broken a lot of big plays, and that's why they're averaging over five yards a carry You know, as a team. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. So, uh, and with Wentz as, a, as an option also in the running game, they, they create the problems for you that, that, that really bust him into the clear. And they've been, so Miles is taking advantage of that. He runs inside and outside, does everything. They have a very diverse run game uh, with some features with the quarterback involved. And so it's, it's hard. I would be much more concerned about those explosive plays had the Seahawks played them a couple of weeks ago. I think this gets back to the conversation about accountability on defense and tightening up some of those things, because we absolutely saw the defense giving up those yards even a few weeks ago. But I feel a lot better about the continuity, the consistency and the way the defense is playing to take away some of those explosives. Yeah, I agree. I think that coming off the game where they held um, Arizona, who was the leading rushing team going into that game to just 57 yards. I, I'm feeling confident right now with this team's run defense and, you know, finally feeling confident about this defense as a whole. So as we wrap things up here, Jen, what do you, what are your two things we need to see for a Seahawks victory on Monday night football? I would like to see the Seahawks sack Carson Wentz at least twice. And I'd like, I think that's doable. I think that's doable, but I'm going to add on to it. I want that to happen in the first quarter. Oh, I okay. want him to get so skittish in the first quarter that everything else just kind of, that he's just off balance the rest of the game. So that's yeah. what I would say. Um, I'd like for them to finish with like five sacks, but really, if you can do it <laughs> twice in the first quarter, um, I think that they're on track for that. And I would like to see the Seahawks continue that run pass balance, which again, not 50, 50 doesn't have to be running the ball 30 times, but I would like them to have at least 25 runs um, that I should say between 20 and 25 runs for running backs. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to say defense picking up where they left off and just continuing this strong run of play. And then, yeah, getting this balanced offense and hopefully getting Chris Carson in, um, back and involved. I'm really excited to see what this running game can do and how they can support Russ and supplement this offense. All right. Well, there you have it. There is our key matchups, your Eagle, your Eagles preview. The Seahawks, they take on the Eagles Monday Night Football. You can watch it live on ESPN. Kickoff is set for 520. As always, you can listen to Jen Mueller and the guys on 710 ESPN. All right. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks.